This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. City put an end to their losing skid with a 2-1 win over Brighton and showed signs of their best selves in the process. Is the ship righted or was it just a flash in the pan? It's Monday, October 23rd. I'm Adam Booker. I'm Joe Ritchie. And this is the City Report Podcast. Welcome back to the show, Joe. You and I were just uh, reminiscing on our weekend uh, before we jumped on jumped on here. I believe you described yourself as a corpse this morning. Um, yeah. I'm not. I'm not far along from from being uh, dead myself. How are you feeling? Yeah, um, I've been better, but uh, it was all for the right reasons. Had a, a family friend's party. Uh, Friday night and then a wedding Saturday night and a long drive home Sunday. So just um, one of those weekends that you look back and you're like, I could use a nap and a nap after that. So yeah, happy yeah I, feel this, I feel the same way. You were at a celebration of life and I was at a funeral last night at Providence Park as the Timbers <laughs> season came to a close and they missed the playoffs by one point. It was uh, It was not very fun, but Perfect segue into a team that won't break my heart as much as the Timbers do, and that is City getting back to winning ways with a 2-1 win over Brighton. Um, felt a bit like a game of two halves here. I know that's a bit of a cliche, but um, what were your overall thoughts on the game? Because I think we saw flashes of City's best selves and and the team that you know we saw kind of march on to a treble last year. And then we saw the team that we've seen recently that um, looked a bit sloppy and, and let Brighton back into the game a bit. Yeah, I think it was a good game to come back to given the losing skid that they were on and that Brighton afford City 
attacking opportunities that most teams don't. So it, you know, kind of breathes con- confidence into likes of Doku, obviously Holland, um, really the whole attacking front five and six. Um, so I think in that sense, it was good. And also at the same time, like you said, in the tale of two halves, like Brighton aren't on a side that are just going to go away. Right. So, you know, it kept city on their toes. It made, it made it worth a 90 minute match at first. It looked like it might be a blowout, but um, credit to Brighton for sticking in it. So it was, it was a really interesting match. I think there was a lot to take away from it. Maybe probably more good than bad, but certainly a little bit of both. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, getting three points, getting back to the top of the table as things stand prior to the Spurs match is, is a great thing. Yeah, I mean, you're spot on about the way that Brighton, you know, set out to play because typically when City have, you know, any sort of inferior opponent come to the Etihad, which is most teams these days, um, you know, they'll see all of the ball, they'll, you know, double or even treble the amount of passes that the other team um, will complete. But, you know, you look at the stats after full time and city only had 55% of the ball. They only completed a hundred more passes than Brighton. So Brighton were, were there and they, they were trying to play. I mean, as you said that that's a bit of a benefit for city because it gives more space to the likes of Doku and Foden. And, you know, <clears throat> it's very rare. We even see Holland get opportunities from the edge of the box, never mind take them and score them. Um, which was fantastic. And obviously only his second goal from outside of the box in a city shirt with, with wolves away being the other one last season. Um, But how, I mean, how important was that for city having that type of game coming back? Cause you know, you felt like we needed to get a little bit of confidence back into, into the Foden's and Holland's, particularly Holland who um, had he not scored against Brighton, it would have been the first time in his city career that he didn't score in three straight Premier League games, which for most strikers, isn't isn't crazy, but given his his record last season, it's it's would have been insane to see him go goalless for three Premier League games in a row. Um, so, how important was that that Brighton kind of came to town to play and and afforded the space to get the confidence back into Doku and Foden and and the likes? Yeah, no, I think I think it was really key. I mean, obviously, City have quite the run of fixtures coming up. Um, you know, notably the the Derby next weekend, um, obviously a midweek game in the Champions League as well. But um, I think I think it's really important. And, you know, what I was thinking throughout the match was how glad I was that City didn't appeal Rodgers' red card because, man, if, if that didn't get approved and they stretched it out to a fourth game and he missed this Brighton match, like, I mean, we'll talk probably individual performances a little later on, but, like, having Rodri in this type of match is so critical um, because, again, 18 minutes in after it was 2-0 or 19 minutes in, it looked like, you know, this could have been a 4-5-0, you know, just domination match. But, um, you know, we quickly saw that Brighton were were not afraid to go at City. I thought Matoma in particular was fantastic. Um, you know, didn't finish with any goal contributions, but I think he kept City on their toes. And, yeah, it's, it's a good match to, to kind of test yourself. I mean, are Brighton one of the top five, six teams in the league? Depends on who you ask, but... Are they a side that are going to challenge City more than probably 17 or 18 teams in the league? Yeah. Um, so I, I thought City, you know, all things considered, did well. Um, again, you could kind of see a little bit of tiredness in the legs. You know, a lot of players traveling back from international duty. But at the end of the day, getting three points, um, like you said, getting the confidence in a key attacking players, that, that's really all you can ask for at this point. Well, I, I wouldn't say Brighton are a bogey team, but certainly at the Amex, you know, they've given City – tons to think about um Mm -hmm. was it last season i think it was a four three or maybe the year before um just absolute bonkers games there um but let's talk about something you mentioned which is the fact that city did let them back into the game and 
the standard slipped a little bit. You know, we, we saw the return of, of Rodri and John Stones, which allowed City to play that 3-2 um, in possession that, you know, kind of became so famous on the way to the treble last season. Um, and it looked like kind of the old city, the city that we know and love. And uh, they had, you know, pretty good control of the game. And then they come out in the second half. And um, is it coming back from the international break, as you said, and having a bit of fatigue in the legs? Is it complacency of being 2-0 up and feeling like your old selves again? Is it something Brighton did? I mean, what 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 was it that led to the kind of slip in standards in the second half? Because, you know, against United, against some of the teams that City have coming up, you, you probably get punished more than just, you know, a, a Ansu Fati goal off of a deflection. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't think it was complacency in that I think these two clubs have immense respect for each other from the manager down to the players. I think they both recognize the the talent that they have individually. Um, I mean, to me, again, you look at, you know, Julian Alvarez, who just played for Argentina, just put in a 90-minute shift. Um, you know, Rodri obviously had time off, but he just played back-to-back, I believe, 90s for Spain. Um, obviously, you know, Ortega isn't your number one keeper, right? So there was a bit of sloppiness there with his his uh, possession out of the back. Um, so just a couple key things that, again, against a side like Brighton that want to press, that want to attack, that want to create chances, you know, you can't afford mistakes that may be against a, I don't know, a, a Chelsea, like teams that are still good, but not as, um, in my opinion, clinical or, you know, pressing, press heavy. Um, so I, I think that was really the biggest piece. It definitely wasn't complacency in my eyes, just more of, you know, a lot of these, I mean, City are squad full of internationals, right? So all of these players just came back from from traveling. Whereas if you look at the Brighton side, um, I mean, I'm willing to bet almost half that starting eleven that I'm looking at didn't go away on international duty, and that that can make a huge difference. Um, but at the end of the day, Brighton, like I said, they weren't going to go away, right? Like they, they, that's just not in their mo. Deserby wouldn't allow it. The players, you know, wouldn't allow it. So I think it's just something that kind of ebbs and flows over ninety minutes. And at the end of the day, if you want to win a title. I mean, you need to be able to put your foot down and either go for the killer goal or be able to hunker down and prevent the the opponent from putting away a equalizer. So that that's kind of where I stand. I don't know what you think about it, but it, to me, it's just ninety minutes. You know, game ebbs and flows as it goes along. I mean, I think the the subs in the second half tell us what the plan was, right? And it was to to put your foot on the ball, slow things down. You know, mm-hmm. Grealish coming on for for Doku. Nathan Ake and Ruben Diaz both coming on. I think Ake only came on after the Akanji red card, correct? Um, which we'll get to. But um, yeah, the plan, you know, it certainly wasn't to bring on. Well, gosh, there's not really there wasn't really any attacking talent on the bench when you look at it, other than Grealish. I mean, Phillips, Kovacic, maybe for his ball carrying. You know, Nunez for his ball carrying, but. Just about all of your attacking talent is on that pitch when you've got right. when you're playing that three two and you can you know play five attacking players. Right. Um, so maybe Pep didn't have any other choice but to bring on Grealish and, and slow things down, but that's probably the way he'd want to go. Anyways, um, let's talk about the lineup a little bit. Obviously, Stones returned, Rodri returned. That was a huge, huge boost. Um, the one player we're going to highlight, Manuel Akanji. It doesn't seem to be hitting the heights that we saw in season number one from him where he kind of burst onto the scene, obviously signed, I think, on deadline day or very close to deadline day, um, you know, for for pennies for the player that he turned out to be last season. Um, has he kind of fallen down the pecking order with Gavardi all coming in now? And um, 
you know, I think he's not helped by John Stones' loss either because John mm-hmm. Stones steps into midfield from center back and we saw Kanji right. playing right back and, you know, Walker is club captain now. So he's playing most games at, at right back and it feels like a bit of a perfect storm. But when we have seen him, he hasn't been, he hasn't been the Akanji we, we know from last season, has he? No, I mean, I think, it, it, I mean, I don't know as though Pep would agree with this, but to me, he's still City's fifth best defender. Um, so when you put it in those terms, he's incredible. Um, but again, compared to last season where it felt like bar a couple of notable instances, you know, he really didn't put a foot wrong all season. I think, you know, in his defense this year, he's played in a back line that seems to change every match. Um, he's been asked to step into midfield on more than one occasion when he didn't have to do that at all last year. So it, it just feels like he hasn't been able to get into a rhythm probably more than any other defender. I mean, Walker wasn't playing nearly as much last season, let alone in the you know positions that he's operating this year. That changes where Akanji's positioned. Um, it's funny, though, when he – I mean, I know it happened towards the end of the game, but I must have looked down for a second and I see – um, Ake and, uh, coming on and I see Alvarez going off. I'm like, okay, we're going a little defensive. But then I'm like, wait, Akanji's going off. I'm like, okay, so who's coming on for Alvarez? And like, I just totally missed the second yellow card. Um, it just, that to me is where, when I say he's the fifth best, you know, probably central defender, overall defender, depending on how you look at it, you know, against a side like Brighton who are very heavy in the transition is where I think you'll see a Kanji get caught out. And really both of those yellows were kind of, you know, to use an NBA term, take foul. Like, you know, they weren't, they weren't anything, you know, overly aggressive. It was just kind of, he got caught out of position and, you know, put together a couple easy yellows. Like it, I, I don't think the ref made any wrong decisions there. So I, I think for him, it's just about, trying to find some consistency when he's in the side and, you know, provided John Stone stays healthy, I think that'll help. But I'm not expecting him to be a player that we worry about. I would just hope that he's not the first name on the team sheet, I think is how I'd look at it. We often see with Pep when a player gets sent off um, that that player goes MIA for quite a long time. I think Probably Rodri is the only exception in the fact that he came right back into the team, but that's solely down to his, you know, importance. Um, you know, you can think of Kyle Walker, who got the red card against RB Leipzig um, in Fabian the Delph. twenty. Yeah, Fabian Delph. Um, there's one more except Sergio Gomez. I mean, he wasn't, you know, a bona fide starter when he had his red card at, at right. Copenhagen. But um, is there a chance that? That's the last we see of Akanji for a little bit because of the kind of bonehead, uh, boneheaded move that was getting that second yellow. I mean, considering there's four guys ahead of him that are all world class talent, um, not the people who have their own definitions for world class are going to be <laughs> in my mentions after that. But right. um, four internationals ahead of him, you, he could go MIA and the squad would be fine if Pep wanted to, right? Uh, I think, is in terms of again players ahead of him being probably a tier above yes but I don't I think the difference here there's two differences in my opinion to the red card situations you noted earlier is one it wasn't a straight red right it wasn't a you know Kyle Kyle Walker against Leipzig was truly one of the most idiotic decisions I've ever seen probably only second to Rodri putting his hands around Gibbs white neck um, yeah. same with Fabian Delph you know those were all consequential um, just stupid decisions where I think the Akanji ones again were kind of just you know, he needs to be able to put himself in better positions and not make mistakes like that. But the other thing is, 
you know, City aren't that deep at the back, um, especially where they typically, I think it's changed a little bit this season, but typically play four central defenders at the back. I just don't think you could really afford to put a Kanji out of the side. Stones, as we see, is still getting, you know, he still hasn't played a 90 all season. Um, so, you know, you can't call him a regular. I think Ake's, you know, with the arrival of Gavardi Olben, kind of in and out of the side. So I don't, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't start midweek against young boys. Um, and then again, you look at United where that's a big game, probably not that, but I think that's more just kind of how the fixtures fall rather than Pep putting him into, into the doghouse for lack of a better term. All right. That'll do for part one. We'll be back in a moment for part two to look at some more individuals from the Brighton win. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season. And the same goes for McDelivery. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. If you are new here, please hit follow, hit subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review. That is the best way for us to get this show out to more blues like you. Let's take a look at some more individuals from this game, and and we'll come on to to Johnny Stones later on. But I want to talk about Jeremy Doku. Um, Obviously, he's a bit of a polarizing figure um, at the moment. With you know the the Grealish versus Doku saga, we've had our our take on here many times that um, it's lunacy to compare the two, and you should just be happy that you have two different types of wingers that contribute to the team in different ways. But uh, Doku, another another impressive performance. You know some of the stats from his game, and he was man of the match according to City. Um, an assist, thirty one accurate passes, eight ground duels, one five successful dribbles, two key passes. Um, He's absolutely making a name for himself in the Premier League and at City. Um, but I had a bit of an argument online with somebody during the game about whether or not he's still a raw talent. We're not going to get into the definition of raw versus not raw. But you do see the things that you know the likes of me and Amos and some other people on the show have, have maybe warned about in, in playing Doku 90 minutes every game. And he will give the ball away. Um, that's because of his directness and that we don't want that to change um we want him to you know put his head down go to the byline and try and take a man on every time he gets to gets the ball because goddamn it's entertaining (laughs) um but you know in games like arsenal uh you know he came on to to change things when city were one nil down and gave the ball away a few times and he will get punished for it from time to time what what are your thoughts on doku because um He's doing so much to keep himself in the, in the team, um, but there's a lot of people like me who you know still see the value in Jack Grealish and 
and needing him in games that to protect against the transition and so on and so forth. Um, but he's doing all right. Yeah, I think you and I are pretty similar in our our opinion on it all. I mean, to me, Doku for again, I probably first caught wind of him in the Euros against Italy, and what was that? 2020? Twenty twenty. Yeah, the twenty twenty that wasn't twenty twenty. Yeah, was that yeah. that Euros? Yeah. yeah, so a couple of years ago, and I mean, he was just basically what you saw against Brighton, just electric, taking on his man at will. Um, and again, from everything I've followed for him since, I think that he has been both as advertised, but also exceeded expectations. And what I mean by that is he's still an electric player who's going to take on his man, win more often than not his duels. Um, he still has a questionable final product, both in creating chances for himself and for others. But at the end of the day, he has, he may be averaging a goal contribution in a match. I, I'll have to confirm that, but I mean, he's, he's having an impact. I think. What you see, especially as you look at this match in particular, is if he can start to convert some of those, you know, if he's going to keep playing off the left, those cross shots, you know, into the far side of the net. I mean, if he can convert those even every other match, or to me, the biggest thing is because I don't think that's something you can overly rely on. It's not a high percentage chance is it's great that you can beat your man. It's great that you can be two men. But what we need to see more of is that assist to Alvarez where, once you get past two people, your head's got to be up and you got to be making the right pass. It felt like too many times on Saturday he beat, I mean, he put James Milner into what I think is retirement at this point, but, um, you <laughs> which, know, he, which should have happened about a decade ago. Anyways, yeah. But. Yeah. Um, after Phil Foden did it uh, when he was at Liverpool, but, um, it, it just felt like so many times he beat his man and kind of just put a ball into the box rather than a ball mm. with intention. And again, yeah. he's 21. He's a, you may not want to define the word raw. I think that's a perfect attribute for him. He's a raw player. He's not a finished product. No one should expect him to be. But if you're already going to see this type of impact for sides like Brighton, um, to me, every match he's played, he's had some sort of an impact. It's just, can he be... And I think we've seen flashes of it where he's not afraid to maybe not slow the play down like Jack Grealish, but there's been times where I'm like, is he going to try to take on another man? And he'll he'll play the ball back. Like You can see the... Pep influencing him in in many different ways. But again, if he can work on that final ball, again, I don't think he needs to be a chief creator for himself, but for others, that that's what's going to take him to the next level. What's his what's his ceiling? Because like is there a city player, you know, past or present that we could compare him to that, you know, that's the level he could reach? Like like can he reach Raheem Sterling numbers 20, 2017 to 2020, where he's scoring what, 20, 20 goals a season, 30 goals a season? I mean his ability to to create space for himself, if he can start to finish, I mean that's that's deadly potentially, right? I, I think, I mean, maybe Bar Foden, he might have the highest ceiling in the entire squad in terms of just relative Ooh. to his age. Like Foden, uh, Holland is, you know, to me, he's the Ballon d'Or winner. Like his, your ceiling can only get so much higher than that, right? I'm talking relative to where the players at now versus yeah. where they can be. I don't think someone has more untapped potential is probably the way to put it than Jeremy Doku. Um, again, there's a long way to go to get there, but if we, you know, if we're seeing flashes of his brilliance already coming from, you know, a mid to upper table side in France to the Premier League and European champions, and he's already performing like this, I mean, sky's the limit, right? Like, especially if Pep sticks around, if he sees out his contract, okay, if he extends, I mean, there's no better coach to play under in world football and develop your game than Pep. So I, I, I think his potential is truly probably the highest in the squad. 
Well, moving on from from Doku to another player who's been uh, developed by Pep, John Stones. How important was his return? I mean, it, it it's not often that a team, I wouldn't say relies on a center back, but it, it's it's not often a team has a center back come back and and it unlocks things further up the pitch. Um, you know, we mentioned earlier in the episode that he. His his return allows you to move back to that three two. He you know pushed into midfield alongside Rodri and worked to those magic feet that he has. Um, how important is his return? Because it it feels like you know unlocking everything almost. Yeah, he he's just an incredible incredible player. Um, I mean, came back hundred percent pass accuracy on forty four passes. Of course, uh, his long balls hundred percent two of two tackles one of one. Um, aerial duels, one of one. Like again, he's played what three or four competitive matches this season, and none of which have been ninety minutes. He hasn't strung together, you know, a run of matches. Nothing that tells you you should be in the type of form to play against a, a side like this Brighton side and just slot right back in. Um, he's so crucial, like you said, to what City tried to do in this three-two build-up, and I think also having Rodri come back at the same time, it just felt like things almost return to normal, you know, uh, kind of like the back end of last season. Um, he's he's just, there's no other player in the squad that can do what John Stones does at the level that he does it. Rico Lewis um, kind of, uh, I think we all kind of said, started this, this, you know, change in style last season and John Stones took it to the next level and he just seems to keep building on that. So I think, you know, getting him these 75-minute matches, you know, I'd personally like to see him play midweek. Um, again, just slowly build up the minutes in his legs. But as long as he's healthy, I, I mean, City are just a much, much, much better team with him in the side. So um, what did you think of his return? Well, let me ask you this first. Mm-hmm. Do City lose all three games without Rodri if John Stones is there? Does he make that much of an impact that he could have almost covered for Rodri? And and that's not to say that he would sit in midfield on his own. right. I, but, I think, you know, if if he's stepping up alongside Calvin Phillips or Mateo Kovacic, how much right. of a difference does that make at Arsenal or at Wolves? I was going to say, I feel like the Wolves game was kind of just one of those games, right? Like, it's just... Yeah. Um, but I think in the Newcastle or the Arsenal match, he certainly can make a difference. Again, just having that, you know, he's not Rodri. He's not an outright defensive midfielder. I wouldn't expect him to step in and just be a sole six. But if you put him next to a Kovacic, next to a Nunez, next to a Bernardo. It's just that player with that much more experience in that position and that setup. So, yeah, I mean, I think it could totally make a difference. Um, is he going to stop, you know, Martinelli from putting a ball off Ake's face into the back of the net? No, but our City probably a lot more composed in midfield against a very good Arsenal midfield? Yes. Um, so I think, you know, at the end of the day, City just have a better chance at winning any game with John Stones on the side. Once he's healthy... There's no reason for for you know, in my opinion, for him to ever not be in the starting lineup. He's that that quality of a player. I would say I'm pretty thankful he wasn't in the Arsenal game because if God forbid, if anything had happened to his face, I would have never, <laughs> I would have never recovered from it because that man is just a walking sex icon. Um, all right, one final player I want to talk about, and that is Rodri, who of course we have to end this on because it was his big return. Um, Bigger impact on his return than John Stones, or did John Stones steal the limelight? 
No, for all the nice things I just said about John Stones, just multiply it by 10 for Rodri. He, uh, he, he's the most important player Pep's had, in my opinion, in terms of I've never Ever. seen such a tr- – I'm going to say at City. Well, I don't want to go well, as far yeah, as – Yeah, at City. Yeah, yeah at yeah, City. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And just in terms of – and I'm, that's not me necessarily, necessarily saying he's Pep's best ever player, but just the level that the team elevates itself to with him in the side versus the level that they drop to with him out of the side is night and day. Um, he just makes the game tick. He can slow things down. He can build things up. We, we've seen this season, you know, his ability to create chances as well. It's just he, he he's so important to what City want to do um, that I, I, I don't know how you – I don't even want to think about succession planning because we have many, many, many years to think <laughs> about that. Um, but he's just so crucial. Um, I'm sure you would probably echo that, but it, it just feels like he can he can be anything for City. Am I right in saying that at the beginning of this season, when given the opportunity between Fernandinho and Rodri, you went uh, with uh, Fernandinho? You, has your you, has your mind been changed? Sorry, I think breaking up. What, what, uh, no, yeah, I I may have said that. I may have been a bit of a nostalgia merchant. Um, <laughs> I th- That's all right. Most city fans are these days. Yeah, no, I did say that, and I at the time I think I would have stood by it, but. It's crazy because, I mean, the season's only a couple months old, and it feels like even in those, bar his, again, decision to try to strangle Morgan Gibbs-White, it just feels like every game he plays, he gets better. And you're now seeing him, I mean, I know Busquets has obviously gotten older and kind of moved on from the Spanish national team, but now he's having that impact for Spain. Just anywhere he goes, he's becoming the man. Um, And, you know, I don't think I can give it any higher praise than to say he's the most important player Pep's ever had at City. You know, that... There's a long list of players to compare him to, and to put him at the top is certainly saying something. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's a perfect place for us to end. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. Please leave a rating, leave a review if you enjoyed the show. Joe, thank you very much for joining me. Yeah, thanks a lot, Adam. And until tomorrow, see you later. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, But rest assured, you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.